Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. Previously, we reviewed the basic meaning of a sacrament as is generally believed by the Protestants by quoting somewhat from John Calvin's Institute of the Christian Religion. Also, we noted the difference between the Protestant Westminster Confession and the Baptist London Confession of Faith of 1689 in that the Westminster confirms that the Lord's Supper is to be observed in the, quote, church with a capital C, but the London Confession states that it is to be observed in Christ's churches or congregations. It was further shown that the Protestant Confession maintains that the Lord's Supper is a bond and pledge of true believers' communion with Christ and each other as members of his mystical body. The expression mystical body is not defined by the Confession, but it is generally considered by both Baptists and Protestants as referring to all of the elect. However, we noted that James Robertson and John Nesbitt the Younger affirmed in the 1600s that the mystical body of Christ was the Church of Scotland. James Robertson was hanged for his faith December the 15th, 1682 and John Nesbitt was executed on April the 4th, April the 14th in 1683. As a side note, the year is erroneously given as 1863 in the 1989 edition of A Cloud of Witnesses as printed by Sprinkle Publication. The book contains the last speeches and testimonies of the Scottish Covenanters after 1680. Since such terms as mystical body, invisible church, Catholic church with either a capital C or not, universal church, and other like expressions are not found in the scriptures, I maintain that it is best not to use them to avoid confusion. The scriptures do teach that the Lord's Supper is to be administered in a congregation, and we ought to teach accordingly. Article 1 of the Westminster Confession also states that the Lord's Supper is for the sealing of all benefits thereof unto true believers. Equally, the larger catechism of the Westminster Confession affirms that both baptism and the Lord's Supper are seals of the same covenant. The Protestants further teach through their confessions and writings that baptism took the place of circumcision and the Lord's Supper replaced the Passover. Sadly, many Baptists equally teach that the Lord's Supper replaced Passover but Christ was killed on the same day that the Passover lamb was slain during his crucifixion. The Lord's Supper was instituted the night before in the upper room, but we will not do a detailed study of the last few days of Christ at this time. Our purpose now is trying to understand what this sealing involves.
in order to understand what is meant by this sealing, that is, sealing uh, of the covenant, we will supply quotes from John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, Book 4, Chapter 17. I quote, First, then the signs are bread and wine, which represent the invisible food which we which we receive from the body and blood of Christ. For as God, regenerating us in baptism, engrafts us into the fellowship of his church and makes us his by adoption, so we have said that he performs the office of a provident parent in continually supplying the food by which he may sustain and preserve us in the life to which he has gotten us by his word. Moreover, Christ is the only food of our soul, and therefore our Heavenly Father invites us to him, that, refreshed by communion with him, we may ever and anon gather new vigor until we reach the heavenly immortality. But as this mystery of the secret union of Christ with believers is incomprehensible by nature, he exhibits its figure and image in visible signs adapted to our capacity, nay, by giving, as it were, earnest and badges. He makes it as certain to us as if it were seen by the eye. The familiarity of the similitude, giving it access to minds, however dull, and showing that souls are fed by Christ just as the corporal life is sustained by bread and wine. We now therefore understand the end which this mystical benediction has in view, namely, to assure us that the body of Christ was once sanctified for us so that we may now eat it, and eating, feel within ourselves the efficacy of that one sacrifice, that his blood was once shed for us as to be our perpetual drink. End of quote. Notice that Calvin stated among many things, one, that the bread and wine represent invisible food which we receive from the blood and body excuse me, from the body and blood of Christ. Two, that as the believer is refreshed by communion with him, we may ever and anon gather new vigor until we reach the heavenly immortality. Three, that it is a mystery of secret union of Christ with believers. And four, that in eating the believer feels within himself the efficacy of that one sacrifice. Calvin further affirms that the bread and wine is to nourish our spiritual life. Allow me to say that Calvin does have many good things to say about the believer communing and fellowshipping with Christ and in preparing himself for the Lord's Supper. But our purpose in this study is to try to understand what the Protestants mean by this mystery of the Lord's Supper being a seal to our conscience. From the quote given above, we see that it is said 
that this sealing includes, among many things, a feeling within the believer of the efficacy of the sacrifice of Christ. I will now try the listener's patience by providing other quotes from Calvin. And these are all quotes. The sacrament, therefore, does not make Christ become for the first time the bread of life, but while it calls to remembrance that Christ was made the bread of life, that we may constantly eat him, it gives us a taste and relish for that bread and makes us feel its efficacy. The sum is that the flesh and blood of Christ feeds our souls just as bread and wine maintains and supports our corporal life. Therefore, what our mind does not comprehend, let faith conceive, namely, that the Spirit truly unites things separated by space, that sacred communion of flesh and blood by which Christ transfuses his life into us, just as if it penetrated our bones and marrow, he testifies and seals in the supper, and that not by presenting a vain or empty sign, but by their exerting an efficacy of the Spirit by which he fulfills what he promises. The rule which the pious ought always to observe is, whenever they see the symbols, institu symbols instituted by the Lord, to think and feel, surely persuaded that the truth of the thing signified is also present. For why does the Lord put the symbol of his body into your hands, but just to assure you that you truly partake of him? If this is true, let us feel as much assured that the visible sign is given us in seal of an invisible gift as that his body itself is given to us. I say then that in the mystery of the supper, by the symbol of bread and wine, Christ, his body, and his blood are truly exhibited to us that in them he fulfills all obedience in order to procure righteousness for us. First, that we might become one body with him, and secondly, that being made partakers of his substance, we might feel the result of this fact in the participation of all his blessings. End of quote. And I emphasized, uh, hopefully you might uh, have gathered that, the words feel and seal, as quoted by Calvin, or from Calvin. From these quotes, it is seen that among many things, this mystery performs a seal to the sincere believer whereby he feels something. Therefore, the Westminster Confession says this mystery, sacrament according to them, is for the perpetual remembrance of the sacrifice of himself in his death, the sealing all benefits there unto true believers. On the other hand, the London Confession says that this ordinance is for the perpetual remembrance and showing forth 
the sacrifice of himself in his death. For the Protestants, there must of necessity be some type of feeling involved. What this feeling is, we are left to the individual to know what it is. For the Baptist, while certainly the soul ought to be engaged in the ordinance, the command is to remember and show forth the Lord's death. For the one, there is a certainty of emotion or feeling left in the under, left to the understanding of a believer still shackled to his sinful nature. For the other, there is a clear declaration to the believer to remember and show forth by eating bread and drinking wine the Lord's death. One is shrouded in a mystery. The other is clear and simple obedience. By a clear and simple obedience, I do not want to leave the impression that that is all there is to the Lord's Supper. Obviously, there should be a preparation by the believer to examine himself and seek to draw nigh to the Lord in fellowship with him. Equally, there are many ways in which a believer should cultivate his soul in preparation for the Lord's Supper, and hopefully the Lord would visit him in the meal so that his soul would overthrow uh, excuse me, so that his soul would overflow of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for his, that is, the believer's soul. But the scriptures do not in indicate some mysterious sealing based on some experience of the believer. However, our time is up for today, and we will, the Lord willing, continue our study of the Lord's Supper in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.